from WNYC Studios in Snap Judgment's quarantine lair. Welcome back to Snap Judgment, the deep dive episode. My name is from Washington. For our next story, a young Harrison Scott Key who was fishing with his dad in a bass tournament. But on the down low, apparently the thing to do was just stuff your fish with weights and win the big prize. But Harrison's dad, he didn't do that. Now instead, some other fishermen came over to his turf. Harrison's dad did something else entirely. Snap judgment. I guess my dad did not like the fact that this man was coming up where we were fishing. And so the man says, hey, how's it going? Y'all catching anything? And, the, and I thought my father was going to say, like, no, you know, caught a couple. How are you doing? And all my father said was, I got a 22 pistol that suggests you'll get your out of here right now, young man. And I, mean, I can remember thinking, like, this is such a beautiful lake and a beautiful morning fishing with my father. And we're about to have, like, like Wyatt Earp at the OK Corral. My dad's, like, reaching for his gun. The guy just says, Thank you. <laughs> like his boat turns around, he just sort of trolls away. And my dad never said anything to me about it. He never like turned and said, "Son, that, you know, that's why you carry a gun with you so you can fish in the place you want to fish at." He didn't say anything about it. He just cast his rod and kept on fishing. That's the kind of stuff my dad would do. Cheating was, in, in some ways, the less manly way out. My dad wanted always to do the manly thing, which usually required confrontation. What you have to understand about my dad is that he was like Bo Jackson. He had played on the baseball and basketball and football teams in college. He was that good. But when he broke his leg, he couldn't make those touchdowns. He couldn't make those home runs. And so he decided to make something else. He would make a little man just like him who could fill those cleats and carry the mantle. And it took him three marriages, but finally he got him a boy. And the little thing, of course, was me. I played every sport, soccer, track and field, basketball. When I was four years old, he put me on the seven-year-old baseball team. Like, I have children. My four-year-olds can barely, you know, take a dump without needing assistance. Well, I remember they put me on the pitching mound to see if I could pitch, and I threw the ball toward the heads of children on other fields. All the parents would freak out, and, and all my dad, my dad would just stand off to the side and say, the boy's got a powerful arm, don't he? You know, bragging to everybody about how, how far I had thrown the ball. And then when I turned 10, my father announced that I was going to play football and that he was going to be my coach. He was going around to all these trailer parks and recruiting the players that nobody wanted. He was going into people's homes and and talking to the mom and the dad about the boy. I mean, he practically took out a loan to buy equipment for me. And not only that, but he was buying football equipment for all these players. And he was paying their registration fees. And he was giving them rides. And sometimes he was giving gas money to the families just so they could get to the games. In those first couple of years on my dad's team when I was 10 and 11, you know, I was pretty good. I mean, I was fast. And, you know, my dad would speak in these, like, old-timey metaphors, like, let me hear some leather pop. You know, he'd always be talking about the leather popping. And I was like, what? All he'd do is go, you know, and he'd just clap his hands like I was supposed to know. He'd say things like, eat his lunch. And I'd be like, eat his what? His lunch. My teammates would come up to me and be like, yo, daddy is crazy. 
actually had a real a bad team. We won bowl trophies and everybody was afraid of us. And he soon became a sort of vaunted member of the fraternity of coaches, you know, a real bootstraps kind of hero. But it was around that time that I sort of stopped caring. And when we would hit, it was no longer fun. It was more like attempted murder. I just didn't like it as much. But you know what I really liked doing was being in the science club. You know, I had a microscope and like learning the constellations and reading about science fantasy novels. I was just, you know, sort of becoming a, a bookish kid. I remember one day telling my dad, you know, maybe I could join the quiz bowl team. He just sort of ignored me. And he was like, make a muscle, boy. And I, you know, made a muscle for him. And then with my other arm, I extended an envelope where I had been invited to join Mensa. And he looked at me and he looked at the envelope and he said, men's who? And I was like, you know, I really, I really would like to join Mensa. They have a, they have a chess club. And I remember in that moment, you could see that something inside him died. He just stared into the middle distance, you know, just trying to figure out why his son, who had all of his DNA, would want to be in the chess club. Ever since I had quit the varsity football team, we didn't talk for months after that until that day. I was 14 years old. I had this huge mirror in my bedroom and I was I took taken off all my clothes and I was looking in the mirror and I was like man I'm so big I could maybe beat somebody's ass you know and I didn't want to do that I, I would rather have been pen pals with somebody but I thought maybe I could do that I mean I was you know I flexed and then came this knock at the door I jumped under the bed and covered myself in a pillow and I turned my book over and feigned reading come in what you doing under that pillow, boy? Reading. What about? Astronauts with big breasts having sex on the moon. It's about science. Neat. Now, I could tell something was wrong because my father was not generally enthusiastic about science. I need you to do something. Fetch him old cleats you got and get dressed. We going to Pearl. At first, I thought he might be joking um, because I was not on his football team. I was in high school, and Pop coached a peewee team of 10-year-old little kids whose necks had trouble holding up a helmet. And so I thought he had to be joking, and then I remembered my dad didn't really joke. I'm coming. On the way to Pearl, we didn't speak very much. All he said was, we were running the wishbone. And I said, good, but I had no idea what the wishbone was. I knew it was some sort of formation. I was more familiar with wishbone salad dressing. You know, I was glad to be spending time with my dad because he hadn't talked to me in so long, and I wanted to please him. We finally arrived at Pearl, and it had started to rain. My dad, he told me that he had all my all my gear in the back of the truck. And he got out of the truck and he just walked away to the football field. The, the only thing that fit was my jock strap, which had never fit before. I go out to the field and of course, all my dad's you know players, they were like little munchkins running around. How old are you? He's tall as my uncle. And they were like, who are you? And I was like, uh, I'm Coach Keyson. What grade is he in? Hey, what grade are you in? So then my pop comes over and he's like, he ain't got no grade. He's homeschooled. 
And I was like, I'm not homeschooled. That's when I noticed across the field, some of the moms and dads were starting to point. Ain't he a big one? The big ones is always stupid. Grab a knee, lead us in a prayer, boy, Pop said to me. And I did as I was told. Oh God, please help us in this game. Then the game started and it was a little crazy. Four or five plays into the game, some kid came up from nowhere and just knocked the bejesus out of me. I remember getting up to my elbows and somebody was like, yeah, you got that big one, Rusty. And my teammates all gathered around me. They're like, I think Coach Key's son is dead. I was so embarrassed because I knew my dad could see me. And if I looked at him, that he wouldn't, that he'd be looking away. And something snapped in me. And I stood up and I went insane. I became an enraged gorilla. I was at quarterback. I would take the football. I'd run straight up through the middle. I was like a pinball. I would, I would just make a beeline for the next athlete I could see and would just run right over him. And at one point, actually threw and then caught the very same pass, which has been like a childhood dream of mine. And I looked over there to the sidelines, and my dad was clapping and he was grinning. He was going, that away, boy, stack him like cordwood. And yes, the metaphors, they all made sense now. I started inventing my own. I just ate a tree, you know, I'd be clapping my hands, you know, I'm gonna grow a new head, you know, and they'd be like, what are you talking about? I was like, hush, you know, and I'd just run right over and I just kept scoring. It was like a scene from Rudy. I mean, it was amazing. And when it was all over, the score was 63 to nothing. Every one of those points was mine. And all of a sudden, I started to panic. I saw parents talking to referees. I saw some people pointing. And so I, you know, I helped my dad sort of get up all the gear as quickly as I could. We get in the car, and my ears were ringing. They usually rang because I had been hit so hard and so many times, but now they were ringing because of all the cheering. And I think, you know, like, even then, I just knew that this sort of awesome feeling, you just couldn't get that at a science fair or a chess tournament. About 10 minutes into our drive, he spoke first. And, you know, he looked at me and he said, I sure would like you to play again, in high school at least. He had seen me kick so much ass. Well, maybe, maybe that I would fall in love with it again. I just looked at him and I said, Pop, I hate football. To have said this after scoring 63 points, I think he got it. He said, a man likes to see his boy play. And just the way he said it, it was almost like he was saying for the first time, I get it. I know you don't like football, but you've earned my respect. I had eaten so many lunches, so to speak. I had popped very much leather. To him, it wasn't cheating. He was just being a dad. He just got quiet again. He said, it's fun to whip a little ain't it? And I said, yes, sir, it kind of is. And he never asked me to play football ever again after that. But man, he really wanted me to play baseball. (laughs) Thank you. 
Harris and Scott Key for sharing that story. You can read that piece and others in his memoir, which I suggest you do. It's called The World's Largest Man. The original score for that story was by Renzo Gorio. It was produced by Davey Kim. Again, I know it's crazy, right? But if you missed even a moment, get the amazing Snap Judgment podcast where we take someone's life story, fold it into a narrative, mix it with music and spices and the dancing, snap pixie dust, and put all of that into your pocket for you to enjoy whenever, wherever you want. I ask you, if that is not magic, friends, what is? The Snap Podcast, sorts where you can use to fight your own Voldemort, pass it on, subscribe, because someone's story might change a life change mine. And if you know that love and light are made from stories, go to our Patreon and show the world you shine bright like a snap of support. Storytelling with soul, with heart, storytelling with love. Support them in these dark days. Support them by getting a snap sticker or a mug or both. Snap judgment. And if you like ghosties and ghoulies, you should know that Halloween is here early. Season 4 of Spooked has risen and is available right now on Luminary.com. Amazing stories from the dark side. Be afraid. Step is brought to you by the team that knows if you're going to go for a deep dive off a South Korean island, best to put on your bathing suit first. Yes, everyone at Snap Judgment appreciates this reality. Everyone, except for the Uber producer, Mr. Mark Ristich. There's Anna Sussman running on wet concrete. You should know better. We have the lifeguard, Pat Messini-Miller, Slippery, Lindsay Gorio, Slidey, John Fasil, Shayna, Splash, Sheely, Liz, Watergun Mac, Cannonball, Marissa Dodge, Nika, High Dive Singh, Eliza Can't Swim Smith, Aqua Woman, Laura Newsom, Tail, The Dolphin, Ducat, Flow Bubbles Wiley, Red Rover, Red Rover, Send Nancy Lopez over, and Manning Concession Stand, wearing the red hat, is Leon Morimoto. This is not the news. No way is this the news. In fact, when you're a little tight, your mother can tell you you can be anything you want. But only after you practice and practice and get bloodier and more beat up does your older brother tell you, no, dummy, you'll never fly with your ears. That was just a movie. Yes, all that could and did happen, and you would still, still not be as far away from the news as this is. But this is W. N-Y-C. 